Hello, welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie, and I'm here with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hello, Guthrie. Uh, all right. So today is going to be uh, we're going to talk to be talking a little bit about ethics. Um, it's eth- ethics day. It's ethics day. Hopefully, uh, one of a couple days. Every uh, day is ethics day. Uh, today is ethics day. That's what I say. Um, so the the whole the whole point of of this is just to talk a little bit about um, some upcoming new content that we have. Uh, I, you know, Susan's done a lot of UX certif- uh, certificates. She has the Brain and Behavioral Science certificate. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that she's doing in that regard. Um, I've been working on some of my own content, as many of you know. Um, I'm a behavioral economist, so I did a whole behavioral economics certificate. And the next one I'm doing is ethics. Um, so and these are online video course mm-hmm. courses. Yep, courses.theteambuilder.com. You can find that. It's not quite done. I'm still working on it, but uh, four of the six courses are um, edited and finalized. Uh, but there's always lots, lots more work to do. Um, so, with this, with that being said, we just wanted to cover one of the small little things because we've been editing these courses, and Susan was like, "Hey, these are really cool. Let's let's do one of these." Yeah, for our for our podcast because yep. I really liked some of the <clears throat> content, and I thought we should share it out. Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly right. So, what's um, where where should we start? Well, wow, that's a great question. You want me to start. Um, yeah, you can start. I mean, maybe give a little bit of, um, uh, you know, setting it up in terms of this particular piece you're going to talk about in this podcast. Yeah, where does it, where does it fit in terms of thinking about ethics? Why is this piece important? We're going to and what is the piece we're going to be talking about, and why is it important before you launch into what it is? So this comes from my one of my courses, which is going to be Ethics in the Corporate World. I also talked about it in some of my keynotes. Um, it's sort of a thought I've been having. A lot of these, a lot of those um, certificates don't don't just. It's not like we like sit down with a blank, you know, in front of a blank typewriter and just you know start from scratch. Um, a lot of these things have been thinking about and building for years and their ideas that um, kind of came from here and came from there and get plucked and get re uh, reconfigured and uh, you know sort of put together then so so I even though I'm you know I, I sort of start from scratch every time uh, mentally I'm not starting from scratch I have some of the ideas sort of already ready to go per- percolating percolating uh, and so this is um, yeah, in my Ethics in the Corporate World course, uh, I have what I call the four influencers of corporate society and ethics. And uh, by influencers, you don't mean celebrities. No, but it's it's actually kind of used in the same term. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 would you what's your definition of an influencer? Well, I well, there's the celebrity influencer, social media influencer. But in this case, I think you're, and, and in, initially, when I was watching some of your videos and I saw the word influencer, I thought that's what you meant. But then I realized very quickly that what you mean are, are things that influence 
the ethics of a particular organization? Um, yeah, I mean, look, the thing about in so in the marketing term, you know, people use the word influencer. Uh, I have <laughs> I have the top definition on Urban Dictionary. What is it? A word Instagram users use to describe themselves to make them feel famous and more important <laughs> when no one really knows who who they are or care. Usually the type of people that call themselves foodies and post, post pictures of their avocado and toast because they can't really do anything else interesting. Okay, that, that's Usually also pretty... post their last holiday asking someone to hashtag take me back. Okay, someone was having a bad day when they wrote that entry on Urban Dictionary. That was um, by We Talking About Practice, August 4th, 2018. So the funny thing is, is that in 2018, um, that prob- there was probably a negative connotation uh, since then, it's probably become a little more positive, just because yeah. of the way the market has moved. The point is, is that there are there are certain people, um, you know, you can call them maybe like uh, brand ambassadors. Oh, that's a much better one. Um. <laughs> okay, but this is not what you mean. There are certain people, certain entities that have outside influence in regards to what people see and what people hear and the decisions that people make. Yes. Um, so that's that's all it is. Uh, like, okay, so let's talk about the four. You know, just because yeah. it's a little different than Instagram. You know, the first yeah. one is the free market. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of a construct. That's not exactly selling, you know, shoes. Uh, so there's the free market, the government, corporate leadership, and the employees. So those are the, um, uh, all, also, yeah, it's like the four methods, the four avenues, the four types of organizations or institutions that influence, change, stop uh, ethical or unethical corporate behavior. Okay. And so that, that's my, my um, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's the only way that corporations are influenced is one of those four categories. Ooh. Yeah. Bold. Okay. Well, if you can think of find any exceptions, let me know. Okay. Um, so should we, where, sh- where should we start? Should we just... I think you should just dive into one of them and, and explain why, why you think that's a very important influencer for ethics in a corporation. What it is and why you think it's got a lot of influence on that ethics. So let's start with the free market. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in my course, I do like the regular spiel, and then I give like the cynical spiel at the yeah, end, which, which is basically gonna... that like, hey, this is all terrible, and like I I talked. So are you gonna give both? I don't know if or... I'll I don't know if I'll give the socialist oh. spiel. Um, oh, you guys, if you guys part. want that, you can. All right, so just give us the regular. Yeah, so I'm so I talk to I have I know people who are uh, died in the wool socialists, and so they gave me like the you know sort of like the eye roll. So I'm gonna say it, but if you're rolling your eyes, don't worry. In the course, I also I cover the like the cynics. The eye ro- the eye rolling version. Yeah, for sure, for okay, sure. Okay, but we're not gonna do. Yeah, that. so right. so I kind of okay. start this section out by saying like let's dismiss the Marxist critiques of capitalism. Okay. Let's just assume, for ethical purposes, Reagan was right. 
capitalism. Ronald, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Capitalism is. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I just thought it's okay. So for some of our younger audience members out there who maybe yeah. don't know, can you just explain Ronald Reagan? <laughs> Do you want me to explain Ronald Reagan? <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be a fun thought exercise. We just All right, explain just very Ronald briefly, Reagan in like, very in like briefly. 15 seconds. Ronald Reagan was a president of the United States, and I do not know the exact years. Uh, 1980 he, to 1988. Thank you. 1980 to 1988. He was, um, before he was president, he was a very well-known actor in Hollywood. And for many years, like we're talking going back, oh, I don't know, to the 40s, Could you 1940s? give him like a modern equivalent? Oh, you mean in terms of being an actor? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, was he was he well-known? He, he... Oh, yeah, he was a Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, thank you. Okay. He was a very well-known okay. leading, leading holiday Hollywood. Yeah, okay, that's all. Okay, you, you gave yeah. the example. And then he became president, and he was a conservative Republican president. He was very popular uh, among Republicans and conservative Republicans. Uh, you know, he had two terms as president, and he had a lot of um, very strong uh, economic opinions about things and about the free market. That, that which were. Oh, you said I was supposed to give just. <laughs> you can't do it in a sentence. A small. <sighs> okay, fine. I'll do it. You're going beyond my knowledge here. Don't forget, this was the end of the Cold War, so there was Thank still you. like a capitalism versus communism thing going on. Yeah. And Reagan was maybe the peak. Trickle down economics. There we go. Okay. See. Yeah. I just. So remember. he he his sort of thing invented trickle down economics, which is. Let's lower taxes for people at the top, and they will put the ingenuity of the capitalist engine to work, and that will that wealth will trickle down across the entire and and eventually economy. everyone will do better. Correct. That was the that was the theory, and yeah. that was it was kind of a kind of a new idea at least at that time in America, and it was very became very popular. Thank you. I, this is why I needed you to do it. I was. I was alive for like one month of the Reagan presidency. Of that, yeah. yes. So, um, uh, I was definitely around. I don't for remember that. that. Um, so, so, so let's let's just assume Reagan was right. Capitalism, perfectly efficient, and we're gonna make some free market arguments for why the free market will make companies ethical. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the possible link between the free market and ethics inside companies. Yes. Now, again, I am aware. I'm aware that some that there's a that there's a cynical critique of this. That the eye rolling has started. Yeah, but don't. But we're, we're gonna not doing we're that. gonna ignore that. We're I'm just gonna, gonna give just the free market. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the the argument kind of goes like this. This is why the free market influences capitalism, or uh, influences mean, ethics. Ethics, yeah. Uh, so one, there's a short-term and long-term 
return on investment here. If you treat your customers well, and we'll just we'll just use broad strokes, you may lose money in the short term. You may lose money in the short term. But in the long term, that's actually the most successful business strategy. Um, supporting good, in quotes, companies that whatever that society is finds ethical, companies that you know support the ethics of whatever the culture and society really wants, um, becomes part of the story of the company, the values they hold, and that translates into the feelings that customers have. Uh, you know, maybe you can say to buy organic or, uh, you know, all, all the, uh, whatever, whatever the uh, companies are that you like to support. So you're, you're saying if I'm a customer and I feel like uh, I like buying things from this, this company, I feel they put out a quality product, I feel like they care about their customers. They do, um, we'll just say do ethical stuff. Do whatever it is defined as ethical stuff. Okay. Um, people in the long run, you'll make more money. You'll uh, you, you'll have these this support. You'll have this base of clients. You'll be able to just continue to just do your thing and, and be successful. In okay. the short run, in the short term, it may be more profitable to be unethical. Now. Um, so just just in terms of a pure free market capitalism context, yeah, making all your stakeholders better, right? And we talk. This isn't. It's not shareholders, but stakeholders, which is this idea of corporations affect. There are there are different people who have a stake in the success of a of a company. There's the community the company is located in. You know, mm-hmm. there's the employees of the company. There's the mm-hmm. the owners, the shareholders of the company. Uh, there's uh, the customers, all these, all these people are stakeholders, and so there's okay. this idea that if you actually elevate all the stakeholders, that's that's the optimum strategy for long-term capitalistic success. Um, if you push too far, especially with ethics, you will face backlashes in the market, and that's and that's when things sort of go awry. Um, if you pu- if you push too far, customers will leave. So you're saying if you follow in this in this non-cynical view, if you follow the basic premises of a free market, it in looking at the long-term view, mm-hmm. it should lead you to con- a more ethical behavior. As a company, yeah. Uh, I, one one um, analogy that I would use is, you know, all these tech companies maybe took advantage of some stuff and did some unethical things, and yeah, Facebook made made a lot of money in the short term, but now, you know, the the you know, I know, I know people who delete their Facebook. They don't maybe don't use it as much. They try not to. People are trying not to buy on Amazon, etc., etc., etc. Now, there is a reality that the, you know, I will just do a sprinkle of the cynicism. I won't do the full thing. But, you know, clearly in markets where there's monopolistic power, um, where certain players can just dominate a market, where maybe large companies have an outside influence on regulation, 
if there's not if there's not a competitive free market environment, well, then those things don't apply. So, so then there are there are you're saying in that cynical view that we're not talking about except that we are, but we're not going to go into a lot of detail on. In that cynical view, if it's possible that you would follow, you know, the free the free market influence might not always lead to ethical. Uh, what I would say is maybe a better way to phrase that is my I would have an argument that actually the free market would lead to more ethical behavior. Dot dot dot. But we rarely have a perfectly free market because these large companies. They're not competing in equal space. Who's Facebook's competitor? You know, if you're, if you're, you know, well, if, one of the companies they bought is their competitor, right? It's just sort of like, okay, yeah, what's, you I know, get, I get you, right? Yeah, there's only saying, a couple phone companies out there. But you're saying the free market can be an important influence. Yes, yes. Okay. At least there's an argument for that. Okay. Um, yeah, the cynical view, of course, just destroys well, that argument. But. All right. So anyway. There's, that's one influence. Are that's you done that's with one that influence. One? Yeah. You want to now, move on to the next one? Yeah. Now, I, I will say that um, let's just take it to the extreme. Okay. Let's say you're a company and you just, you're, you just start like, you start promoting, I, I don't know, genocide or something like terrible, right? Totally unethical. To- totally, most, completely, ridiculously. Yes. Yeah. Whatever culture the company is in, you're gonna lose business, <laughs> right. probably. Right. So, so just, so just as an extreme, as an extreme, there are the free market is exerting some sort of influence on right. companies to behave a certain way. Now, if right. now if you want to look at other sort of you know ways, uh, there's certainly companies try to be trendy and be up with their audience. The point is, is that there is sort of a uh, and an interaction there between the free market. All right, so that's okay. so that's one. Okay. Um, two. What are you going to talk about two. next? Uh, the second big influence in, influencer is the government. Okay. So um, you know, if the government passes rules that says you have to abide by these certain ethical standards and frameworks, well, then if you're a company, you have to abide by those. Um, now, the government could mean anything. Could be the so. A national government? Could it be like a state government? Uh, yeah, that's very federalist of you. Uh, sure. <laughs> In the United States, we have local, yeah, we state, have... county. Okay. All right. So government you're using in it. This, yeah. General term. Whoever's, okay. yeah, wherever the corporation is bound by the laws. Okay. You know, um, now there are, there are, there are, Many instances in some industries, usually after terrible bad ethical practices have happened, that have high requirements on what companies can and cannot do. Um, I will give car safety as a prime premier example. Okay. Um, the, the there was the famous Ford Pinto case in the United States, uh, where there was this um, crap little car called the Ford Pinto. Remember the Ford Pinto? Yes. And normally it was fine, but the gas tank was put in the rear of the car. And every so often when there was a accident where, 
you know, you the Pinto would be rear-ended, it would just explode into flames. Into flames, and which was not good for the occupants. Not good for the occupants. Now, it didn't happen very often, but it was a design. I will just say a design flaw. It came out later that Ford knew that this was happening, and did a little calculation, and that, that they found the smoke and gun. Uh, these documents in in court, which is the only reason the case is famous. I'm sure it's happened elsewhere, but they just didn't find that smoking gun. Where someone at Ford said, well, I know these people are dying in balls of flame because our cars explode. But if we just settle those cases, it'll cost, you know, so many dollars. Rather than But if we have to, like, change the entire, every car, every Pintel, that'll cost so many more dollars. Like... We can't have that. Um, and So, so they, now what's the government end of this? Well, so what ended up happening was, of course, the public found out that Ford knew that their cars were killing people and didn't do anything, and this was seen as a ethical faux pas, and which, of course, prompted all this government regulation. Uh, if anyone's in the auto industry, you will know that the, the safety standards for cars severely limit how a car can be designed. Um, there's, there are so many rules, like, there are just so many rules about what you have to do as far as cars and safety and airbags and, um, all, all mm. sorts of stuff. Um, it, it's just a regulated industry. Healthcare is another industry that's very, very heavily regulated. So if you're a doctor, okay, mm-hmm. uh, in the United States, at least, it's illegal for you to get, um, what's called a kickback. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would call it in our industry a referral fee mm-hmm. to prescribe, we'll just say medication, mm-hmm. right? So for us, if you know, hey, if anyone out there wants to be an advocate for us and sell our courses for us, we'll give you 15% of the revenue, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to sell our courses. That's pretty standard in most industries. In the medical industry, it seems unethical for doctors to be getting paid by the pharmaceutical companies directly for, you know, based on the number of, you know, opioids that they push. And so there are laws and rules that prohibit that kind of behavior. So the, so in this way, the government is an influencer of ethics. Yeah. And if we look at some of the more modern stuff, uh, California is considering a law that would outlaw certain dark patterns. Europe has been very... Various places in Europe have been very, I guess we'll just say, proactive on um, consumer privacy, like GDPR. Um, wait, did I say that right? G- yeah. GDPR. Um, uh, uh, there's there's anti loot box regulation when it comes to video games for minors. There there are various there, you know. There are, there's plenty of ways the government can force companies to do whatever they want and behave in the ethical behavior that their societies want. So that's that's certainly one of the ways. Now, the cynical view, a little bit, is basically that, like, especially in the United States, we're pretty reactive. Uh, very rarely is government regulation, like, proactive. Proactive. Here, yeah. Where we're going to actually be solving problems. Usually... The government is waiting until it's far too late and all the damage has been done and then they need to do something so that they look okay. Um, or so that they prevent 
more future damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's there's other more cynical views about how the government is anti-democratic and has the same in- incentive to keep the current power structure and all kinds of fun stuff. So that's, um, so yeah, the, but obviously the government can force companies to do what they want. And so that can be an agent of change, an influencer on ethics. Okay. Um, other, That's two. Other small examples of ethics in, uh, in the government. Think of a lot of the investor regulatory banking regulations, insider mm-hmm. trading. Mm-hmm. That's another example where there's it's a probably lot. probably a lot then. What do you mean a lot? It sounds like there's a lot of different ways that government influences ethical behavior. Yeah, government can pass a, Yeah, governments can pass laws to do whatever they want. Um, okay, the next one is a little more interesting, uh, and that's corporate leadership. Okay. Well, this this makes sense. Uh, corporate leadership is can be a very strong influencer of corporate behavior because they're literally in charge. What do you mean by corporate leadership? Corporate leadership can mean a bunch of different things. It's 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 the people at the helm of the company or persons. Or shareholders, um, whoever is, whoever's in charge. Uh, sometimes maybe you can call it the C-suite, the people who are making decisions. So like, sometimes that's like one charismatic person, you know. Like if Jeff Bezos at Amazon, though he's stepping down, but when he was running Amazon, um, you know, if he said, "Hey, we're doing this," the company was doing that, you know. Yeah, that's that he was just very influential. Um, in maybe let's just look at another company that doesn't have such like a singular strong leader, uh, but you know there are policies that happen on the highest tier, the C-suite, corporate level, about hey we're gonna, this is what our goals are as a company. You got the shareholders. Are we maximizing profit? What does that look like? And a classic example is what's called um, a certified B corporation. Okay. Do you know anything about a certified B corporation? I know a little bit because I watched your course <laughs> where you talked about it. So nothing says that a company has to make money. Nothing says that making more money is better. That's just what, that's like a company can decide what their goals are as an organization. And so... A certified B Corporation, uh, from their website, it says certified B Corporations are a new kind of business that balances purpose and profit. They are legally required to consider the impact of their decisions on their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. This is a community of leaders driving a global movement of people using business as a force for good. Now, if if you're a C corporation in the U.S., for instance, or an S corporation. Um, C corporations are the largest that have shares. S corporations are smaller corporations that right, do not, are if, not publicly traded. I mean, if you're one of those, you can decide that you're going to do ethical things. But the difference with a B corporation is it's not legally built into the structure of your corporation the way the way it is in a B corporation is that right yeah so the the difference is think of think of any old publicly traded company you know they'll okay. they can say things right they say things like we support the environment 
Yeah. We, so, like you can say stuff. They can say anything you want, but it doesn't mean. Yeah. Whereas a certified B Corporation, there are legal requirements that the company has set down where it's like, hey, we have to, for example, um, and it depends on the company, right? They can, they can kind of determine how far they want to go. But let's just say, why isn't it in the company's rules that the company has to be carbon neutral every year? Like that's that there's like there's a legal requirement for the company to and be so carbon they neutral build or there are penalties. Yeah, but it's not like the government is Correct. forcing these things. This is they they built it into the structure of the corporation. Right. Right. And um, then they are legally bound. Yeah, yeah, there are there okay. are rules. How many of these things are how many of these B corporations are out there? And this is relatively new, isn't it? The, the certified B Corp movement is relatively new. There is a if you want if you want to put on my conservative economicsy hat, there is a long history at least of companies attempting to be good stewards. Um, I mean, that's I don't think that's particularly new. Of at least the the self stories that corporations have that they're doing good in the world and saving the world in various ways. I think I think that's I don't think that's particularly new, but um, certainly to look at it a little more holistically is probably a little newer. But in terms of this third influencer that you're talking about, which is corporate leadership, yeah, you're not saying you have to be a B corporation in order to no be applying this corporate leadership. No, that is an example. Um, But the corporate leadership, how the company is structured, how the CEOs decide to make things, what the shareholders want, you can, they can take a company wherever they want to take it. You know, Um, like, like, so there's this, oh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. Well, no, you go ahead, ask a question. Well, there's this fine line, I think, between say, just saying stuff, like having corporate leadership, having the the C-level executives, you know, make pronouncements. Mm-hmm. And that, but but as sometimes they do that, and then they follow through, and then they're 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 influencing the ethics one way or the other. But sometimes they just say things. And, you know, it sounds good, but they don't really take action, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I'm talking about, yes. You're talking about when they really do have an influence. Like, I, there's, a, there's a company that no, I... No, 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 no. Look, what? the corporate leadership yeah. always gets to decide. They're, they're, the, they're the influence. So, okay, let's take diversity, right? Okay. The corporate leadership, the people who are running the company, the shareholders, whatever, whoever is making the rules and policies that the, from a top-down level, they could say, we think diversity is important, right? I, I, all the company, all the big companies say that diversity is important. But most of the time, it's basically diversity theater, where it kind of looks like you're being diverse, but you're not actually being diverse at all. Um diversity theater so a company could say no 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 no. we're taking diversity actually seriously and we're going to set standards where uh 
it, it's in the hiring guidelines that we that you should um, prefer candidates. Well, there are lots of laws and stuff. So now we're getting into now. I picked a terrible, terrible, terrible example. Um, we take diversity seriously, and so for every dollar, we'll do it this way: for every dollar in profit that we make as a company, we will donate half of all of our profits to entrepreneurial funds for minority populations. Um, that's 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 one way to do it. Uh, it like. Um, why not have like our goal as a company is to have you know a majority diverse c-suite which is the the highest echelon of a company um our goal is to uh prefer hiring from uh with people who have you know difficult backgrounds growing up or something like there is like yeah but it's not and it's not just diversity there could be all kinds of things yeah we pick pick your yeah like hey we love the environment or the or the you could say that and then you but or you could like you know say hey we're as a company we don't pay for air travel we try to avoid air travel as much as possible because of the carbon emissions right so like there is a difference between just saying things and then actually and then corporate actually leadership doing. actually doing something about it. So let me ask a question, though, because you phrase this as corporate leadership, but you're talking more about corporate policies. Are you equating those two things? Putting you on the spot here. Or is corporate leadership, is it just the policies and no. whether they're... Or, or no, is it also more a more esoteric? No, no. Uh, it, there's, it's more than that. I think, I think there's a, there's a deeper. I think there's a deeper. Um, there's a, there's a deeper level to it. So, for example, uh, if you have corporate leadership that says, "Hey, I want to take ethics really, really, really seriously," I'm telling you from the top. This is the priority for this company, okay? I want to see all the middle managers do things this way. Yes, that also comes out in policies, but just the tone, the tenor. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the, you know, the classic kind of example is the Steve Jobs thing. Like, we are shooting for the moon. We are, like, this crazy innovative company. Like, we do everything with passion. And I'm sure, like, that sort of cultish Steve Jobs ethic, whatever, trickled down throughout Apple. And people on the teams took their cue from him. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's part of the whole corporate culture. I I, I was going to say before, years ago, I worked with a, I had a company that I was doing consulting for, and I went to their headquarters for a tour. Um, of the of the um, of let's say the the distribution facility so they they sold uh, clothing and and I w- they were gonna give me a tour of you know the whole distribution clothing coming in clothing coming out and how they did everything and 
this was like a, I think it was a VP of something that was giving me the tour. And I remember, you know, we were walking through this, the headquarters, through the office area, and then into the distribution center. And, you know, he's tell, talking about the history of the company. And I'm looking around, and, and you know, I've gotten tours before of a lot of different companies that I've done consulting work with. And I am really struck by the fact that at this place, people are, whether it's in the office or whether it's in the distribution warehouse, people are walking around. They are, they, I don't know how to describe it, except that they seem to have a sense of purpose and they seemed to be really engaged in what they were doing, but they also seemed really upbeat and not, not as tired. As, I mean, I, there's a certain amount of tiredness and grumpiness, I guess, that I was used to seeing when you're you know, at a place of work. And everyone here seemed like they were more happier and more upbeat and more, you know, collaborating with other people. And I commented on this to the guy who's giving me the tour and he said oh well this this comes from the top you know this is our our founder and our ceo and and you know here are the here are the principles that he says are really important for the company and he really lives them and it really the message gets gets you know infiltrated through everything and everybody and that's why people love working here and and that I was really struck at that point enough that I remember it decades later about how the you know the the personality and the policies and the you know from a from a top corporate leader can have a big effect in many ways uh, throughout the the whole company it really did seem from what I knew about the company, and then it seemed as I worked with them, it was it was confirmed that that really had had a big effect in the company in many ways, including ethics. Mm. So there's this. So there's this. I mean, it's hard to define or hard to what that means in this case, corporate leadership. Except that I felt like I had a sense of it, and, and I, I think, think it's tied in with corporate culture that's coming from the top yeah no absolutely there's there is it, it it's always um you know you know I, I listen to a lot of history you know podcasts um hist- I, I do a lot of history i'm a kind of a history buff and when it comes to like war and fighting and nations there's always there's this like untangible thing called like morale or the mm. like the culture of the of of the people in the army and on one hand you know the easiest way to measure you know war stuff is like how many tanks and how many planes and how many soldiers and um but for whatever reason there are just these intangible things that it's really hard to measure the importance of it you know um when what's what's the value of a company when the CEO comes out and says, you know, black lives matter. What is that? How, what, how does that change what the, you know, the rest of the company then is free to do or express or the way mm-hmm. that, that they implement stuff or they, they understand what the priorities are. Um, that, that's, that's sort of the question there, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
how what's the, what's the value of that? How do you measure that? I don't know. It's hard to t- say, but it's definitely important. And I think some may argue it's a little important, and some may argue it's actually like critically important, even more important than the policies and procedures. Well, I think maybe. it has to do. You know, I'm I'm really into you are too behavioral science and social behavior, and I think there's a lot. You know, there's it the core what the corporate leadership not only says but what they do and how they act uh, you know influences the norms of that organization and then you have a sense when you're when you're there when you're dealing you know as as an employee at least you know what's okay what's not okay what's you know what what are the ethics of this group that I'm with and yeah I can see that I can see that all right, so that was the third one, right? Was corporate leadership. So we've mm-hmm. talked about. You got to remind me. Um, we talked I, about I just I want to say one quick more thing. One about last little thought about corporate leadership. About corporate leadership, yeah. Well, one of the weird things is that almost every company kind of looks the same. Like, the, why is there a chief financial officer, CFO, in like every company? Yeah. I don't know, I guess because that's an important role. Why? Why isn't there... Why doesn't every company have a chief uh, happiness officer? Because... There are no rules. We care about about money more than we care about (laughs) happiness. Right? Like, you can do whatever you want. I would really like to have it. Why is it called a chief... Why isn't it called... Can we have a chief happiness officer in our company? Yes, we can. Because you can just... All this stuff's just made up. You can do whatever you want. Companies are awesome. I bet somebody has that. Yeah, I'm sure that someone does. But my my point is is that, like... It's not common. Yeah. Why is it called... CEO. Everybody Why has is there a, a president? CEO, a COO, a CFO, a CMO, CTO. It's the same, yeah, it's the same thing. General counsel. It, it, the, the, the structure is always exactly the same. Yeah. Like in every single company. Yeah. Why are the departments always silos? It's why true, are, why is silos. there the C-suite and then the vice presidents and then okay. the managers? Right. Why? Because it's the best I don't way know. to do it? I don't know. Okay, so there's two, two, two arguments. One is that there's like a cynical view that it's this whole power hierarchy and like the sort of rich ruling elite is all the same and they hang out with other, like CEOs hang out with other CEOs and there's just like this monoculture of this is how a business is supposed to be. Okay. Much in the way that maybe it's like this is how, you know, like maybe in the Victorian England... This is how a lady of society is supposed to dress. Okay. Right? There are, like, all these rules, and that's what you do. Expectations, norms, rules. They're dumb, but, like, that's what what it is. is. And that's why it's all the same. Um, So that's that's sort of this this, this sort of a cynical view. Uh, the, The counter to that is what's called the rocket ship problem. The rocket ship problem. So think of, like, every single rocket ship that exists not sci-fi not, not sci-fi real, like real life yeah we're, you were talking spacex and blue origin and nasa. nasa yeah the suez rockets or whatever okay what do they look like uh they're big 
Uh, they're very tall. They're usually cylindrical, I think, for the most they're, part. Yeah, they're 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 tall c- cylinders with yeah. pointy tops. Yeah. They're long, tall things with pointy tops with a rocket on the bottom and a pointy top on the top. Yeah. Now, why do all the rockets look well, the same? Because right? Is it because the, there's the like science? S- <laughs> right. So, well, so. Is there just some sort of monoculture of rocket engineers that, um, you know, kind of? Have I don't it know the, the answer to because this, but that's what I, a rocket is supposed to look like. I would assume or, it's because or, of science. Yeah, right. Or is it because going into space is really hard, and, and there's sort the of a best way to do it, which is to have low air drag and blah blah. So, yeah. you know, you can go and read all the. You know, in the airports, they have the little books about corporate leadership or whatever. A lot of companies kind of run into the same problem as every other company about, you know, you're going to have problem employees and power dynamics. How do we get customers? How do we Yeah, expansion. Yeah, if you have 10 employees, how is that different than 100 employees? And how is that different than 1,000 employees? Um, So, in theory, a lot of companies kind of run into the same problems. And so the reason all the companies look the same is because there's kind of best answers to those solutions. And, okay. and, and so companies are all doing the same thing because they're all facing the same problems. Okay. Um, so that, that is, uh, that's, that's sort of the rocket ship problem. I don't know which one is true. And maybe it's a little bit of a mix of both. Hmm. Um, but I just wanted to share that. All right. All right. So we've talked about the free market influence on ethics. We've talked about the government influence on ethics and then the corporate leadership influence. Mm -hmm. So what's the fourth one? Fourth one is uh, employees, the employees of the company. So the employees are an influencer on ethics. Yes, and I, and probably the most important one actually. And really? the one that's well, yeah, it's probably the thing that most commonly um, is making a difference. Um, so the argument kind of goes like this: um, companies want the best and brightest talent. Would you agree with that? Yes. For at least, and I'm, and I'm going to stick to where these policies are being made, which is generally corporate HQ. Right, so I, I understand that you know there might be, you know, think of like you know AutoZone or whatever. Like there are people, you know, who are actually in the field behind a cash register, but the, the you know the ethics of a corporation is probably going to be made in the corporate headquarters. Okay. Right. So let's just kind of keep that in mind, not like okay. the people doing. Um. So. These. Generally, if you want the best and brightest, y- y- there's competition, and you want to be a company that people want to work for, mm. and you want your company, your employees, to be happy. Um, why? Because unhappy employees are bad. You, if you're a company, you just want your employees to kind of be quiet and do their work. You don't want company-wide memos. You don't want strikes. You don't want like you just want you want them focusing on their work. And um, you want them to stay. So, uh, and, and finally, 
um, employees are in the room where it happens. Like literally when these decisions are being made about should we do policy X or policy Y, the, the employees are the ones in the room making these decisions. So well, sometimes it's the C-suite though making the decisions. All the C-suite are employees too, but yes, okay. yes, that's why C-suite is corporate leadership. But this is the step be- below them, right? The okay. C-suite can make the decisions, but it still has to be implemented by the people underneath them. Okay. Right, like it's all like that's they're sort of where the rubber meets the road, to some extent. Um, and and so the thoughts and views and opinions and desires of this group of this body of people is going to be heavily influ- influential on the actions of a company. Um, now, in the United States, it's what's interesting is the corporate, this is, this is my fun data point. The corporate HQ of most companies are filled with young, middle-aged, generally, progressive, uh, well-educated workers from urban areas, which generally tend to be rather progressive, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're, most companies in the United States sell to every end of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. So if the thought was, we just want to make our customers happy, you would see the political stances of companies mirror their customer base, which is sort of in the middle. What, what, what we've seen recently, I think, is uh, most companies actually have leaned into uh, uh, taking political stances that are on the more progressive side of the spectrum. They, they seem to be doing that not, not because they want to sell to progressives, I think because they're, employ- they're facing pressure from their employees with mm. And they're just trying to make their urban, younger, well-educated, progressive employee base happy. Mm. They want to be seen as the type of company that is X or Y. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a good data point, a good argument for, actually that's why the employees are so uh, important because, gener- because the policies of whatever the company is just seem to mirror whatever the employees of the company are. And I think that's sort of an interesting, you know, out of, so out of those four influencers, it kind of looks like the employees are the most powerful. Um, and, and finally, let's just say you're trying to influence the C-suite. Think yeah. of the power, you know, if you're, if you're, if you literally are seeing the people at work, right? You're like, you're being, if you're, if you're the CEO and you have to go to work with your employees and you're seeing them and they're angry and they're doing stuff, that's going to be much more influential that if you're in a meeting with someone who's arguing for a point X or Y, than you know, some person on the outside writing a blog the, the, or something. The theoretic or, or the theoretical idea that, you know, quote, customers, customers, because you might not have a lot of contact with your customers. They're n- they might, yeah, it's more real if it's your employees. Because you, mm-hmm. like you said, you see them. They're right there in front of you. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it depends how high, right? If you're in the C-suite, maybe you won't, you're not seeing people on the ground. But, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so th- there is this sort of, like, big, especially in big companies, this employee advocacy um, this this kind of change from within, and and I think when it comes to ethics and dark patterns and you know corporate memos, that's generally where you're seeing the pressure. Is is it's yes, there's there's noise from the outside, you know, yeah. but it's the noise from the inside which is really enacting change in companies. That's that's when like when when the noise and the pressure 
spills from the outside about ethical stuff to the employees themselves, that's when action gets taken. So that that's the argument for why employees are so maybe critical. Yeah. As an influence there. All right. So there's the four influencers. Now, can we, uh, before we finish up, can we just talk for a second about the... Um, so the the ethics certificate. So you have one course on this topic, right? Mm-hmm. The floor, four influencers. What are the other courses or topics? What kinds of other stuff are you covering in the ethics certificate? And I have to ask you because it isn't published yet, and so I haven't memorized it yet. So I I could probably, I mean I've I've been working with you over time and seeing some of the things you're working on, but I don't have it on top of mind. So this is, the, the point of this ethics certificate is for it to be applied ethics. Um, there are many, I do not have a PhD in ethics. You are not philosophy. an ethics professor. And I'm not an ethics professor. There are other good people who have done that kind of stuff. The problem is that with a lot of that stuff is that person says, hey, you know, the trolley problem, you should, uh, you know, let the five people get hit by the trolley. And then the other person says, no, you got to throw the switch and have the one person get hit. And both sides can perfectly refute each other, and you talk about that for an hour, and then everyone says, well, that was fun, you go home, you don't get anywhere. So the, the purpose of, of this ethics course was to really be able to apply it, to be able to move forward, to get something accomplished, to have these conversations in the workplace, in other spheres, but actually, like, at the end, being like, all right, now we know what to do. Now we know what the right action is. Um, and that's, that, that's, that was the goal about this. Okay. So the, the, the course kind of goes like this. There's fundamentals, which is the summary course. It'll be free. There's big concepts behind ethics. That is a little bit of the more academic stuff. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have a, a, a certificate on ethics and not talk about, like, these big kind of fundamental ethics ideas. Um, but that's just one of the courses. Uh, there's make something ethical, the formula, where I, I, you know, I came up with the ethical formula, and you can go to ethicalformula.com and check it out. Um, but that's the uh, that's sort of how it works and the how to calculate whether uh, calculate ethics for your target audience, which is kind of an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, ethics in the corporate world, which we talked about today, um, the ethics of nudges and behavior change, where I walk through the spectrum of behavior change and kind of what's ethical and what's not, dark patterns, that kind of thing, which is very popular right now. And then the last one, um, which I have not filmed yet, is uh, the strategies to inspire ethical change. Um, We'll probably just be actually inspire ethical change and we'll get rid of the strategies. But um, basically, like, okay, so, like, now that you kind of know what you want to do, how do you actually enact that? How can you turn thoughts into action? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's, that's sort of the, uh, that's the certificate. Yeah. So as we said, this is not published yet, but hopefully soon. But if people are interested in, you know, maybe getting on a list so we can tell them when it is ready, they can email us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and maybe, depending on when they listen to this episode, 
if they, if they don't listen right when it comes out, but they're listening later, it might be available. So go. Yeah, I would assume. I would assume July twenty twenty one probably is. It'll be available. Okay, so let's give them Guthrie uh, the email address in case they want to email us. Info at theteamdo.com. And then in case uh, it's after July and they want to see if the course, the certificate is available, they would go to? Courses.theteamdo.com. There you go. Yeah, Guthrie, I know you've been really busy. In, you've been uh, behind the camera, and then you've been doing post-production video editing. Uh, I know how big a project it is to do these certificates having done several of them myself but they're it's also really exciting so i'm looking forward to uh when this is all done and then we'll put you to work on the next one ha 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 <laughs> all right anything else guthrie yeah uh no that's that's it for me thanks thanks for uh letting me squawk about this yeah no i love it i think it's interesting it's it's uh Something I care about, but actually, you know, ethics is not one of my specialties, not something I necessarily know a lot about, so I always enjoy listening to to you talk about it. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.